0: Alright, let's turn to Proverbs 22 tonight, Proverbs 22, and we'll be looking at verses 3 through 5. Proverbs 22, verses 3 through 5, and our subject tonight will be a prudent man. A prudent man. Proverbs 22, verses 3 through 5. The Word of God says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil... And hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the forward. He that doth keep his soul shall be far from them. So we're dealing with the characteristics of a prudent man. Now, some we may need to be reminded of what prudence means. Uh, Prudence can be defined as the deliberate, judicious, and decisive means by which one is able to govern and discipline himself by the use of biblical wisdom, judgment, and reason. Deliberate, Judicious, decisive. That's the signs of prudence. Able to govern, control, discipline, keep under control by the use of biblical wisdom, judgment, and reason. So there is the reality of doing things with prudence or doing them without prudence. What is the benefit of wisdom? What is the benefit of consideration? Well, a prudent man that we're reading about here tonight, by the help of this prudence that he has, will foresee evil. He'll not only foresee evil before it comes, the Bible says he will hide himself from that evil. This individual will be able to not only foresee the evil that is coming, and he'll be aware before he enters into a temptation. In other words, because of his prudence, he's able to see something, he's able to take note of it, and he's able to be on guard before he enters into a temptation. He heeds the warnings, he heeds what he sees. He foresees evil. Now, the prudent man, because he's very deliberate, because he's judicious and decisive, using biblical wisdom and biblical judgment and using biblical reason, he makes the proper decision and avoids it. Now, we could give you some examples of those who heeded the warnings that God had given. Uh, We could talk about Noah, who, of course, was warned and warned by God about that which was to come, and he, being moved by fear, he took the steps necessary to follow in obedience to what God had told him to do. Joseph, of course, in preparing for the years of famine, he took appropriate action to do what God had instructed him to do. So we see there's great wisdom in being prudent. But what are the consequences of being rash or being very careless, being uh, very inconsiderate in what's happening to you. Uh, The text explains that person as someone who is simple. Simple people are people who believe every word, primarily words that flatter them. They'll believe nothing, that's a warning, They'll simply just ignore the warning and they'll pass by it. And ultimately, the verse says they are punished for that ignoring of those warnings. The simple will enter into temptation, ultimately, will give in to sin. Even though they're told that this is going to end very poorly for you, they will still enter into that by not heeding those warnings. They put themselves in trouble. It wasn't because they weren't warned. It wasn't because there wasn't signs, but they just presumed and were not prudent in how they approached it. There's nothing more fatal eternally to a soul than to lack warning, or to lack heeding to a warning. So what is it here in this first verse that we looked at, verse 3, a prudent man? A prudent man is wise enough to look. He's wise enough to not only look, he looks around. He considers his surroundings. He considers where he is. He considers what's happening. He's looking for what's coming his way. Oftentimes we hear people say, I was caught off guard. I was taken by surprise. A prudent man isn't taken off guard. A prudent man is constantly looking. He is deliberate about his choices. He's deliberate about where his feet take him. He's very decisive. When he knows the right way to go, he goes. When he's very decisive about the wrong way, he avoids it. He's very sensible, he he is cautious. He's careful about not only where he goes, but he's also careful about his own conduct. How does he conduct himself? How does he maintain his behavior? A prudent man actually sees the potential problem of sin before he falls into it. Again, some people say, sin just caught me off guard. Oftentimes, sin caught you off guard because you were not exercising prudence. You were not looking around you, you were not being considerate. Now not considerate as being polite, but considering your surroundings. Considering where you are, considering what's going on. You know, the longer we live, the more you ought to be aware of what your temptations actually are. You should know what you need to avoid. The more mature you become in Christ, the more you should be able to look out and be able to say, I foresee a problem because that has been a problem for me before. But sometimes we can be spiritually stubborn and stiff-necked and hard-headed, can't we? We, we know that, that that road, that's an evil way to go. We've been down that road before. So why do we go down the road again? You see, the prudent man is very cautious about how he steps. He's very cautious about where he goes. He's cautious about his own conduct. He's even very cautious about the company he keeps. He sees the snare and the trap before the snare and the trap gets him. Because he's looking for it. He keeps himself away from those things which he knows are a potential problem. Now, why does he do this? The prudent man does this. He keeps himself. He abstains from the appearance of evil and he even appears from the things that might lead him to something evil. But he also sees the evil and the consequences of the punishment that comes as a result. The judgments of God are always in his heart. He's considering, how can I do this great wickedness against God? You know the story as Joseph was escaping from Potiphar's wife who was trying to trap him. He ran out of there as quickly as he could, even though that ended up turning into a false accusation that put him in prison. Joseph was exercising prudence. His action was decisive. His action was, how can I do this wicked sin against God? Now, Maybe our kids know this, maybe they don't, but... Nobody else might have known, but God would have seen it. God knew what Joseph's choices were. You see, we can take a path and we can get involved in something and think nobody's going to know I'm doing this. Nobody's going to see me, but God does. And Joseph, of course, for doing the right thing, he was rewarded with a prison stay. But he did the right thing. He did the prudent thing. He was very deliberate in getting out of there. Sometimes I think even we as Christians, we are very slow and indecisive to get away from sin. And we're not being very deliberate. We're we're kind of hem-hauling around, if you will, kind of saying, well, do I really need to get out? Is this really that bad? When really it should be a decisive action. the prudent man says, listen, I don't even want to have the appearance of an evil thing here. So I'm going to. I foresee it before I ever get there. That, that's that's what the prudent man is actually seeing. So what is that prudent man actually doing? He is submitting himself to the Lord. He's putting himself. He's she's putting herself in a place that says, "I am more concerned about my God than I am what people might think about my decisions and choices that I make." God has always made a way of escape. The problem is that sometimes we don't decisively take the way. Sin becomes enticing and it, it pulls us, it draws us. But God is a place of refuge. He is a shelter. He's a place of safety and protection. When a threat is on the horizon, a threat of sin is on the horizon, we take shelter. Don't stand out in it and wonder why you absorbed the wrath of the storm. You saw the storm clouds coming on the horizon, right? Now, a bit different of a context, but David in Psalm 57, verse 1 says, In the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. I I realize he was dealing with uh, the, uh, the oppressing enemies that were upon him, but the principle is there. Then listen, if, if, if sin is on the doorstep, if that which is going to lead you to fall or even push you into temptation, seek refuge in God. Don't see if I can endure the storm. I have witnessed and heard people say, well, my faith is strong enough in God. I can withstand the sin. I can stand in its presence and because I'm right with God, it's not going to have an effect on me. That's non-biblical thinking. That's not prudence. That's foolishness. To say you can stand in sin's presence and because you you are in a great relationship with God, you can stand, you're asking for trouble. You're asking for the evil to trip you. Sheltering from sin, or as David was in Psalm 57, from the storm of his enemies, is the wise and prudent thing to do, even if it means that you are going to be delayed for a while. But notice on the opposite side, he says, but the simple pass on. And notice the results or the consequences are they are punished. Punished. The simple can be defined as people who are simple-minded. They are people who are unthinking, foolish people. They are people who are void of the grace of God. They're void of the fear of God. And they just, with negligence and carelessness, they're unconcerned about the course they're on. They're unconcerned about whether or not this is a sinful road or it doesn't matter to them. That's who the simple are. They don't care if they're violating the laws of God. The simple simply travel from one place to the next. They fulfill the pleasures and the lust of their eyes, the lust of the flesh. Usually they move from lesser sins. We'll call them for our, our, our message tonight, lesser sins to greater sins. In other words, their, their, their conscience and their awareness of God just continues to get uh, lower and lower and weaker and weaker. They're on the road that leads to destruction. They're on a road that leads them absolutely nowhere. And the Bible says they are punished. Now, Solomon, as he's writing this, does not just mean eternal judgments. He's also talking about temporal judgments. Listen, if you live a life as a simple-minded, unthinking, non-prudent, careless, negligent person, you are going to bring great trouble on yourself. That's true for everyone in this room. Even as a Christian, if you live a life without prudence, where you're not carefully considering, where am I? What road am I on? Should I be here? You will find yourself enduring temporal judgments. There is always a consequence at the end of sin. Now, you may not always see it. You may not always know that a consequence is a direct result of a specific sin, but we have to become people who are people of prudence. I know, it's a word we don't hear very often. We need to teach our children how to be very cautious. Folks, I'm telling you, the world is pulling at our children And they're pulling hard. And you need to teach your kids to be very think, teach them to be thinking people. Think about every action that you do. Consider where your feet are. Consider what am I doing? Are the, even kids very young can be taught, am I hearing things around other kids? Should I be hearing these things? Because if you wait until they're 15, 16, 17 years old to start teaching them how to become prudent, you're well behind the game by that point. But this prudent man, he considers, the simple man just simply passes from thing to thing and does not really care. There's a couple of verses that support this that where this term is mentioned in Proverbs 14:16 it says, "A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rages and is confident. Proverbs 18:10, "The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Proverbs 27:12, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself but the simple pass on and are punished. The same verse that we just read in Proverbs 22. The same verse is mentioned twice in the book of Proverbs. So a prudent man, first of all, foresees evil and he takes the appropriate biblical action. Number two, a prudent man fears the Lord. A prudent man fears the Lord. Look at verse four. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches honor, and life. Now there are some translations and some that would render this by humility and the fear of the Lord as the reward of humility is the fear of the Lord. It's a good way to put it. Both of the way the verses are read, it's the same meaning, but one just puts it out that the reward of humility is the fear of the Lord. A humble man is, of course, a blessed man, because he has reverence for God. Notice, humility comes first. Then there's a fear of the Lord. It's not a fear of the Lord first, then humility. It's to be humble first, and then the fear of the Lord comes. Humility leads us to fear God. Pride leads us to arrogantly say, what can God do to me? Humility leads us to not only have reverence for the Lord, but respect for His commandments, respect for His Word. The fear of the Lord actually affects how we behave. You can can warn people and you can warn children that their behavior is going to end up with a consequence they don't want to have, but you know the the real purpose or the reason why we should teach people to obey is to teach them to fear the Lord. If you teach your children just to fear the consequences, you're teaching them the wrong thing. That's not even what training your children is about. Now, we're going to talk about training up children next week. But you have to, they have to have more than just fearing the consequences. It starts with a fear of God. How does the fear of God start? By humility. To fear the Lord is to be truly spiritually minded. It's a grace of the Spirit, we realize that. But he that is humble before the Lord, what humbles us, folks? What will humble you is the sense of sin. Humility is marked by our own unworthiness of God. That ought to make us fear the Lord, that we are unworthy to even stand before God. Apart from the righteousness from Christ, we're not even worthy to stand. That should humble you. That shouldn't lead and feed your pride at all. When we walk in humility, we will walk in a fear of the Lord. Now what does he say is a consequence of humility and the fear of the Lord? Notice he says they are riches, honor, And life. Now, he has in mind here, again, comparing Scripture with Scripture, he has in mind here spiritual riches, right? This is the riches of his grace, the riches of his glory, the riches of of, of honor with God. And of course, eternal, everlasting life in the world to come. This is not saying that if you walk in humility and you walk in the fear of the Lord, you're going to be materially rich. You might be the poorest person on the planet, but spiritual riches are what we are looking to attain more than earthly riches. We're not not here on this earth to try to attain temporal riches. We're here for spiritual riches, those things to, to honor God, to fear the Lord. Now, what does it mean to obtain spiritual riches? Well, if we take what Colossians 2.3 says, the obtaining of riches, honor, and life spiritually, it is always found in Christ. Colossians 2.3 says, in whom, Christ, are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's in Christ we find everything that we should want, everything that we need. So what does that mean to be humble? Now again, I'm not talking about being self-deprecating where you're constantly beating yourself up. There's this, there's this really extreme narrative that people, they, they overemphasize and they beat themselves up and they say, see how humble I am. Humility is having low thoughts of yourself when compared to God. But it is not how, how insulting can I be to myself today? How, how, what else can I find to insult myself about? And then we say that's humility. That's not what humility is at all. Humility is when you look at yourself, your, your own unworthiness, and you compare it to God, it should lead us to have this humility of who God is. When we have low thoughts of ourselves and our own righteousness and our own worthiness, we will walk in the fear of the Lord. Wherever there is true fear of God, you can mark this down, wherever there is true fear of God, there will also be humility. You cannot have one without the other. You cannot fear God and be prideful. If you fear the Lord, you are going to be humble. And what do we receive? By this humility and the fear of the Lord. That's what he makes mention of. Riches, honor, comfort. They are the things that are spiritual riches. They are the things that God sees as good. Folks, one thing you and I, we have a hard time seeing all the good because we're looking through human eyes. We're looking through human perspective. But the things that God gives us are the things that He sees as good. That's why even affliction can be for your good. Humanly speaking, we don't see it. Spiritually speaking, we do see it. That God may be giving some things in our life and that is good. What God does for his own is for his good or for our good and for his glory. There are these promises that are being made. So the prudent man forsakes or foresees evil. Secondly, a prudent man fears the Lord verse 5. Very decisively, the prudent man forsakes the way of the froward. He actually avoids the same path that the simple-minded, the man who is without prudence, takes. Look at the warning here. Thorns and snares are in the way of the froward. He that doth keep his soul shall be far from them. Thorns and snares are in the way. So what's being referred to here are those who are stubbornly disobedient, who walk contrary to the will and the law of God. Those are the ones who are the perverse, the simple. That person is promised that they will meet with trouble on that road. If you deliberately and intentionally walk in the way of the perverse, walk in the way of the froward, you are going to find trouble. Now, sadly, us who've been alive long enough know that we've gotten ourselves into some situations that we know we got ourselves into the trouble because we disregarded God's commandments and God's law and God's will. And we did what we wanted to do. If you haven't done that while I'm confessing before you, I have. I got myself into a lot of situations where the only person to blame why the trouble came was because of my stubborn disobedience. I'm going to go my own way. Every time in my life I've tried to go my own way, there has been thorns and snares. It clearly says they're in the way. You are not going to be able to walk contrary to God without trouble. And that's what he's warning about here. That's thorns. They can be grief, they can be times of distress. A snare is a trap brought into great difficulty. A trap which you cannot easily get yourself out of. I would never confess it here before you, but there's been sin in my life that I got myself caught because of my own sin in a trap. It was my own fault. Now, we can, we can follow along with the world and we can place the blame on somebody else or something else. But if you get yourself in a trap, it's because you did not exercise prudence. That's what got you there. Don't blame somebody else. They set a trap. You shouldn't have been on that road to begin with. See, you won't get caught in that trap if you're not on that road. The problem is the line's moving. We want to get get as close as we can to sin without it having any consequences. You know... Again, not directed to anybody in particular, but this is the way I think human nature is. We, we see things and we think, I, I, just, I just want to get close. I don't, want to get, I don't want to go over the edge. I just want to get close. Certainly there won't be any harm in that. There's always harm. These snares, these thorns of affliction... The snares, the traps that get set. Once you go your own way, you find it almost impossible to get out. Some of you in this room know what it was to spend part of your life 100% doing your own thing, going your own way without any reverence for God, and life was miserable. Oh, it probably seemed pleasant for a season, but the end result was not pleasant. You found yourself in a trap and in thorns and ensnared, and you said, How did this happen? Because I deliberately walked my own way. That's why it's going to be so vitally important that we teach our kids how to walk the right way. Now, next week's sermons train up a child, and it's immediately going to people are going to say, Well, I don't have children. My children are all grown up. It's for all of us. Because the training that we train our children to do are the things that we ought to be doing ourselves. It's part of the problem. We teach our kids don't go that way and then our kids see us walking on that road. So a prudent man doesn't just see it, he forsakes the way. He says, I'm not going that way. Here's another promise. He that doth keep his soul shall be far from them. Far from what? Far from the froward. Far from the simple. Far from the person who's doing his own thing. He's walking contrary to the disobedient, stubborn one. The one who fears God in humility is never going to be comfortable on the same road with the rebel. See, he's concerned. He's concerned for the good of his soul. He's concerned for the good of his own life. He's careful about what he does. He's careful about where he goes. He's careful about the company he keeps. Again, not legalism. That's biblical principles. We teach our kids, be careful of the people that you keep company with. But what about us as adults? Who do we keep company with? And I'm not just talking about relationships. I mean, what, are we, what are we spending our life doing? What are, we, what are we involved in? Some of you with really little kids are gonna find this out as your kids get older. Your kids were paying a lot more attention to what you were doing than you ever thought they were. I mean, mind-boggling things that they can remember. That, that was no big deal. They, anybody saw that? Well, they saw it and they marked it. But they also mark the times in which you're walking with God and you're walking in obedience to God. So don't always say, oh, they only see the bad. Look, they see the good godly example. They see the prudent, decisive decision to say, listen, we are going to walk in the way of righteousness. We're not going to walk like everyone else. Yes, we're going to be very cautious about everything we do and decisive in the decisions that we make. That's prudence. We're not using intellect, we're using biblical wisdom, judgment, and reason that comes from the scripture that said this is what the Bible says, so we're going to do it God's way. So the one who turns away from God will find snares, thorns, hurts, they'll become trapped. They're never, it's never going to be a pleasant experience. Now we hope that the conclusion is, is when the simple-minded who gets themselves in that trap, we would hope that at, by that point they bring themselves to the place of realizing, "I need to turn to God." But every day we need to seek God's leading. We can say that the way of the simple is sinfully dangerous. Again, I know we're victims of present tense. But I'm telling you, it is a dangerous dangerous world our kids are being raised in. There's an intentional desire to walk contrary to God's way. Not not by accident. It's not by chance. Walk contrary to the ways of God. But it's not for the good. It's, of course, to bring hurt. But on the other side, the way of the prudent, it's joyful obedience. It's it's joyful to know that God has given me the right way in which I should walk. He's careful about keeping his own soul. He's careful about keeping himself. He keeps his heart away, as far away as he can from the snares. So what do the prudent see? Why do they see the evil? They see the evil because they are instructed by the Word of God. Folks, that's, this book is what instructs us in the way we should go. And there is nothing in your life, there's nothing in your life that the Word of God does not have the answer to. There is no circumstance. There is no trouble. There's no affliction. There's no trial. There's no relationship issue. There's nothing in this life that can happen that the Word of God does not have the answer to. The problem is you may not like all of God's answers. But the answer is there. But we have to walk in obedience. We walk according to the way of God. A prudent man sees the evil because he's instructed by the Word of God. And a prudent man walks the right way because he has an understanding of God's Word. This is not some kind of mystical sight that he's talking about. When you see trouble and you see evil, this is not some mystical image going on in your mind. It's based upon what you've been instructed in in the Word of God. It's because you know what God's Word says. It's not based on feelings. It's not based on anything but what would God say about this. What what, what is my understanding of God's Word? And the Bible gives us Explicit instructions on how do you escape from that temptation or that trouble or that trial. The beauty of that is, is we can apply that even to the gospel. The gospel is the only way of escape. The gospel is the only way for the sinner to find a remedy for their lost condition. Where do we find the remedy for our lost condition? We find the remedy in the word of God, in the gospel. We preach the gospel because it is the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only right road. It's the only way that leads to eternal life with Christ. It is understanding that when the sinner is brought to the the reality of not only judgment, but brought to the reality of the beauty of what Christ has done, that they see that Jesus Christ has paid for their sin. But so many will ignore the warning over and over and over again, and they'll simply say, I don't need the Lord. I don't need Him. I want to do my own thing. I want to go my own way. Listen, we can, in a sense, understand why the unbeliever says, I want to go my own way. But what should never become common for us If we're truly in Christ, is to say, I want to go my own way. Because we need to be prudent people. Now, this prudence, I want you to remember this, because if you don't have this foundation, verse 6, of train up a child in the way they should go, it will seem out of context. Because this is not just about how do you live your life personally, but how do you prudently raise your children? How do you bring them up in the admonition and the nurture of the Lord, which we'll talk about. So these thoughts of a prudent man lead us to the very training of our children. How in order to raise our children in the fear of the Lord with humility, prudence has to be applied. The great way in which we raise our children for the Lord is to raise them according to what God's word says. And, and, and folks, I'm, I'm telling you as your pastor and as your friend tonight, you are going to have to be more diligent with raising your kids than anything else you've done in your life to keep on the right path. Because everything in this world is pushing against it. And you've got to keep diligently saying, we are going to walk this way even if nobody else follows us. We're going to keep going that way. Even if we find ourselves all by ourselves, we're going to keep moving that way. That's not just for parents raising kids. That ought to be the goal of every Christian is say, look, the world keeps going that way. I'm going to keep going that direction because that's what God's Word instructs me to do. That way only going to lead to snares and troubles and thorns. I don't want to go that way. Even though it looks shiny, it looks, it looks glamorous, there's nothing glamorous at the end of that. So we teach our children, and we, of course, need to teach ourselves, and we all ought to be prudent men and women tonight. All right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for...